Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. I don't even know what to say to that, truthfully. Um, so anyway, so let me just start with this. Hey, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad that you're here today. And today we are kicking off a brand new series called Animal Farm, where um, we're talking about the things that Jesus teaches about the church. Because when Jesus teaches about the church, he always does so in terms of a flock of sheep. In fact, in 45 verses of the New Testament, Jesus refers to people as sheep. And what Jesus says in those 45 verses brings such enormous clarity to us about who we are, about how God sees us, about how we should see ourselves, and about how we should treat each other. So in this series, we're going to look at three of the key passages where Jesus teaches about sheep and shepherds. Um, a number of years ago, while I was on staff at another church, um, a young couple in their 20s came to me and they asked me to help mediate a disagreement that they'd had with another couple who was also in their young 20s. Um, and so, yes, I agreed to, you know, help these people because, but because this misunderstanding that they had had, it had blown up into such epic proportions that these longtime friends were no longer even speaking to one another. And... They went to church together at the same church where I was on staff. Now, to help tell the story in a very clear way, let me go ahead and give these people some fake names, okay? So let's call these two families, let's call them the Hatfields and the McCoys, okay? Uh, and and I, only, I say that because I felt like I was walking into the middle of a gunfight, okay? So here's the, here's the scenario, here's what happened. Um, Mr. Hatfield and Mr. McCoy, both of these guys were in real estate. And they had a mutual friend who was moving into town. Um, this mutual friend had agreed to use Mr. Hatfield as his real estate agent, but at the last minute switched to Mr. McCoy. Well, that caused some definite tension. And then pretty soon there were phone calls and accusations flying back and forth between the two of them. And so now their families were not even speaking to one another. And now to Mr. McCoy's credit, he he called me and in an effort to save the friendship, asked if I would come and mediate um, a discussion. So we all get in the same room and we're talking and it turns out that, you know, Mr. Hatfield, the guy who was feeling gypped, is really upset with Mr. McCoy because this mutual, mutual friend had come into town and had gone to dinner with the McCoys and it was shortly after that dinner that the guy flipped real estate agents. But Mr. McCoy said, hey, look, like that night we went to dinner, yes, that happened, but we didn't talk about real estate, we didn't talk about house hunting, we didn't talk about the move, we didn't even bring that up, like that wasn't a part of the conversation. So none of that's true. But the point is, it felt true to Mr. Hatfield. And Mr. Hatfield said, it just insisted that, you know, something happened that night because it was after that night that things changed. <laughs> well... At that point in time, Mrs. Hatfield chimes in and says to Mrs. McCoy, I don't know all of what happened that dinner that night, but I know how you dress and I know how you flirt with other men and don't think that didn't have something to do with it. <laughs> I know, right? Like I was standing there going, 
Like, I could not believe that she just said that. And before I could even gather my thoughts to reply, Mr. Hatfield chimes in and goes, truth hurts. Yeah. So at that point in time, the conversation was over. The friendship was over. Like, it was done. But here's the thing. Both of these families professed to love Jesus. Like, they went to church together. But yet, they had caused so much damage to one another that now they can't even talk to one another. They can't even be friends. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, that, that is absolutely crazy. But I'm telling you, that kind of thing happens. And the truth is, some of us have been on the receiving end of some very accusatory and judgmental comments that other Christ followers have made. In fact, there's some of us that are in church today that have been out of church for a really long time because a long time ago we said, you know what, if that's how Christians act, then I don't want to have anything to do with them. That's what people have said, and that's how people think. But here's the thing, Jesus paints a very, very different picture about what church is supposed to be like and how we function in it and how we treat each other, and what we can expect from other people. And here's the thing. If we could just realign our thinking to what Jesus says, I'm telling you, like, it, it would change everything. Then not only would hurtful conversations like that never happen, but that church could become a place of healing, of forgiveness, a place where people could find unconditional love. And look, if we, could align our thinking to Jesus' thinking, then Parkway Fellowship become, could become a place where people that have been hurt by other people in the world could come and they could find healing and unconditional love and a relationship with Christ that could change our lives. But in order for that to happen, we've got to understand what Jesus said and we have to realign ourselves to him. So, go ahead and pull out your message notes. What specifically does Jesus teach me about sheep? Here's number one. The first thing that Jesus teaches is, is, that this, is this. Without Jesus, I am vulnerable. Without Jesus, I am vulnerable. Look what Jesus says as we begin in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And this is going to be our main text for today. Verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were, and I want you to circle these three words, harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, okay? Now, that term, harassed and helpless, it has a very specific meaning, okay? Harassed and helpless literally means torn and thrown down. It literally means torn and thrown down down. Okay, the imagery is of a sheep that has been attacked by a predator, and that sheep has been torn open, has been wounded severely, and is lying there helpless to heal itself. That is what this term means. And so here's Jesus, you know, he's going from town to town, and when he approaches this one town, he sees the crowds of people there waiting for his arrival, and he becomes overwhelmed. Not overwhelmed with the task at hand, but overwhelmed with the amount of hurt that people have in their lives. 
And so he has great compassion on the people in that moment. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless. Because they had been torn apart by the enemy and they were helpless to bring healing to their own lives. You ever, ever felt torn apart by life? You ever felt torn apart by things that have happened in life and that you were helpless to do anything to fix it? You know, perhaps you've been torn apart by divorce and it just happened and you felt helpless to alter that course in your life. Perhaps you felt helpless and torn apart when you found out that your spouse had cheated on you. Perhaps you felt torn apart when a relationship that you're in, it just, it just started to, 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 to pull apart and you didn't know what to do to fix it. Maybe you felt torn apart by kids who are on a destructive path and you know they're on a destructive path, but you just feel powerless to prevent it because they won't listen to you. Perhaps you've felt torn apart at work because what used to be a great place to go is now a miserable place to be. Maybe you've been torn apart by things that extended family have said or done. Or maybe you've been torn apart by addiction or abuse. I mean, who knows, but whatever it is, have you ever felt torn apart and you just felt helpless to do anything about it? Or maybe for you, it hasn't really been anything that anybody else has done. It's just things that have happened in life. Maybe you've been torn apart by the death of a loved one. Or maybe you just feel so lonely. Or maybe it's not just one thing. Maybe it's a whole series of things. And with all of it, you just feel so helpless and powerless to do anything about it. Ever felt that way? See, no matter what, Jesus says that he has compassion for you. And just like he did on the crowds back then, he has compassion for you. And he has compassion for me when we feel torn and thrown down. So we need to go back to what Jesus says about sheep because when we understand his metaphor, then we can understand what he says about how to fix things. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that all of us are like sheep, okay? So let's say that this one happy little sheep represents each one of us, okay? So we are sheep. But Jesus also says that in our community, like there's a lot of sheep. There's like 300,000 sheep in our community. If you count Katie, Richmond, Roseburg, Simonton, Fulcher. So it's a lot of sheep in our whole community. So let's see what our community might look like. And that's just would be a small section of it. So there's a lot of sheep in our community. But Jesus says we're not alone. That there's also a predator. There's a predator. And there's not just one predator there's lots of them all over our community. And so this is representative of what we experience. And get this, these predators, they don't just eat the sheep. It's actually worse than that. The predators, which is, by the way is the devil, the evil one, like he causes lives to be torn apart and he just leaves us there to suffer in our helplessness to bring healing to our own lives. That's 
the imagery that Jesus says. And why does the enemy do that? Because he hates sheep. He hates them. And so Jesus says, therefore, that you and I, we're vulnerable. And by the way, Jesus doesn't differentiate between Christians and non-Christians. He says that all of us, no matter what we believe, we're vulnerable. And now look, here's the thing. If this was as, as far as it went, like this would just be depressing. But Jesus has some good news for us. Number two, Jesus says this, is that he provides a safe place. It's the church. Jesus provides a safe place. It's the church. Remember my friends, the Hatfields and McCoys that I told you about at the beginning of the message? Well, here's the deal. Church was not a safe place for either one of them. But it should have been. It should have been. And the reason it wasn't is because they did not take the command of Jesus seriously. Look what Jesus says in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, one thing is important to note here is that Jesus is specifically addressing his followers. He's specifically addressing those who believe in him. Okay, he's not addressing the people who don't believe in him. So look, when someone who's not a Christ follower doesn't act very lovingly, we shouldn't be surprised. That, that should come as like no big shock to any one of us. But for those who are Christ followers, Jesus specifically commands you and I to love one another. Now, let me show you how this works, okay? So in our community, we've got lots of people and there's lots of, you know, predators harassing. But Jesus says that he has created the church and when it comes to the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he says in Matthew 16, 18 when he's talking to the apostle Peter. And so he creates, the church is supposed to be a safe place for people to go. Yeah, I know you might be thinking, well, okay, hold on, Pastor Mike. Well, what about the Hatfields and McCoys? I mean, they went to church and it wasn't a safe place for them. What's the deal? How, then why did that happen? Well, sometimes we forget this truth, that sheep bite. It's true. Sometimes we forget the truth, this truth, that sheep bite. And when I say that sheep bite, what I really mean is, you know, people bite. Now, I mean, I don't mean like, oh, people bite. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that sometimes people bite at each other. That's what happens. Why? It's because sometimes people have been hurt by other people out, into the, out in the world. And so when they come into the church, when someone gets close to them, they feel threatened and they get defensive, and so sometimes they bite. For instance, remember my friends, the Hatfields and McCoys? I found out after the fact that Mr. Hatfield, the guy that was so ugly, had been in a construction business. He had been a co-owner of a construction business. Well, his partner turned against him stole the company out from under him and made off with most of the money and Mr. Hatfield was powerless to do anything about it. So when it seemed like Mr. McCoy 
was stealing some business from Mr. Hatfield, he bit at him. And so now it becomes a little bit more understandable about why he acted like he acted. You know, and sometimes people do the same thing. You know, I think we need to sometimes realize that some people are like a rescued animal that had previously been mistreated. And so when they come into the church, they've had some pretty bad or pretty rough things have happened to them in their past. And so when they come into the church, yes, they become Christ followers. And yes, Jesus is working on healing them, and, and that healing is happening, but it might not have fully happened yet. And so when they get close to someone or something, they feel threatened in any sort of way or something feels like something in their past, Sometimes they bite. And it's in that moment that when someone bites at you, you have to make the conscious decision not to bite back. You have to do what Jesus did. Have compassion. Because here's the thing. If you knew what had happened in their life, you probably would have great compassion. You would understand. You would have more patience. You would have sympathy for them. But because you don't know what happened, that doesn't make it okay for you to bite back. Just because you don't know what happened doesn't mean that you and I ought to do anything different. Instead, we still need to pull back. We need to power down. And we need to have compassion. Because there's a reason that they bite. You just don't know what it is. So you got to do what Jesus did and have compassion. Okay? All right. Third thing we learn is this, is that I need to pray for God to change me to change them. I need to pray for God to change me to change them. Let's go back to our passage in Matthew that where Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds. Now, at this point, Jesus actually changes metaphors. He goes from sheep to grain. Look what he says in verse 37. It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus says here, he says that you and I, we're to pray to ask God to take people in the church, send them out of the world to invite other people to come back into the church. So if we were to keep the same metaphor of sheep, it would look like this that I am to ask God to send people from the church out into the world. And what are those people to do? They're supposed to invite these sheep to come back into the church so that they can find healing, so that they can find a relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. That is what it's supposed to look like. We're supposed to go out in the world to invite people to come in to a safe place so they can find forgiveness and healing that they've needed for so long. So look, let me just say this. If you have been mistreated and you've got hurts and you're carrying around pain from your past, and maybe it's recent, but if you're carrying around that kind of hurt or that kind of pain or that kind of burden, you're in the right place. Because Jesus wants to bring healing to your life. And he's waiting for you to take that hurt and that pain and offer it up to him and say, I am powerless to heal this on my own. Jesus, I need you. Now, that begins by becoming a Christ follower. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you, 
and become a Christian. Like, you have to start there. Literally, everybody has to start there. And how do you become a Christ follower? It's very simple. You ask Jesus to come to forgive you, and then you commit to follow him as best you can. That's it. Like, there's no other hoops to jump through. There's nothing else you have to do. You don't have to, like, you know, earn your way by doing good works or anything like that. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you and then pledge to follow him as best you can. And you're not going to be perfect. None of us are. So if you've never done that, start there. Do that today. That's the first step in your healing. If you've never done that, there's a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes. It's on the, it's on the back. If you've never prayed that prayer before, take a few moments and pray that prayer right now. Now, for those people who have prayed that prayer before, what Jesus is asking you and I to do here in this passage is we're supposed to pray, okay, God, send people out so that they can bring people in, okay? Now, let me ask you this. Who do you think your heavenly Father is going to send out to bring people in. Who do you think he's going to send? Yeah, you, me, each one of us. He's asking each one of us to go out into the hills where there's all these sheep and bring them in so that they can find a safe place. And look, and it makes a lot of sense that we as sheep would go out and tell other sheep, hey, look, I found a place where I found forgiveness, I found healing, I found a sense of wholeness and purpose and value in my life, and it comes to a person named Jesus, listen, please come to church with me so you can hear more about him and experience it for yourself. That's the plan. That's what Jesus says is supposed to happen. Now, I think there's three questions that you and I need to consider. The first question is this. Does the number of sheep cause me to lose sleep? Does the number of lost sheep cause me to lose sleep? I came across a 2015 demographic study, and this study basically said that there are roughly 300,000 people that live within a 20-minute drive of both Parkway Fellowship campuses. But furthermore, 8 out of 10 people are not affiliated with the church anywhere. 8 out of 10 If you do the math, that means that there are approximately 240,000 people in our area that aren't affiliated with any kind of church, that are completely without Christ. Eight out of ten, almost a quarter million. Does that break your heart? Does that affect you? I mean, I'm telling you, That means that there's that many people that live in our area that are being torn apart by the enemy and are powerless to bring healing to themselves. I'm telling you, it is no wonder that our country is in such a mess. It is no wonder there are so many marriages that are on the brink. It is no wonder that so many kids are having a difficult time, not with academics, but with life. It's because they need Jesus in their life. I've said this before. And I'd like to say it again, and that's this, that's this, that Jesus doesn't just make my life better. He makes me better at life. Y'all write that down. Jesus doesn't just make my life better, which he does, but it's not all about that. But he also, he makes me better at life. And people in our community need that. And they need to hear that. They need to experience that. But how are they going to know if we don't tell them? 
We have to be the ones that God sends out to tell them. And it ought to bother us that that many people in our area don't know Jesus. And so look, if you're not bothered by that, pray and ask God to let you be bothered by that. Okay, second thing we need, second question is this. Am I a biter or an encourager? Am I a biter or an encourager? You know, look, whether you're at church or whether you're at home or whether you're at school or at work, are you a biter or an encourager? Look, when someone takes a bite at you, do you just bite back? I mean, is that your first response? I'm telling you, you need to remember that there's a reason that that person has taken a bite at you. You may or may not know what it is. And so in that moment, and it's hard to do, and you have to practice and train yourself to do it, but you need to pull back, power down, and just have compassion. Because if you knew what they had been through, you would understand. So be an encourager. Don't be someone that bites back, okay? Question number three is this. Who am I inviting to church? Who am I inviting to church? I mean, look, think about this. There's a reason why you live where you live. Look, you don't just live where you live so that you can go to work where you work or go to school where you go to school, okay? God has a plan for your life. He has got a plan for your family. And there's a reason that he has dropped you right here at this, in this community. And it's because he wants to use you to reach out and change other people. And so you need to say, okay, God, change me so you can use me to change them. Let me tell you something that um, I and the rest of our staff do. Um, we have a set of invite cards that we use. And uh, in these invite cards, we just use them, you know, anytime we go to the store, any, anytime I go to a restaurant, I'll leave one for my waiter. Anytime I go to the, to the drive-thru, I always take one of these and hand this to the drive-thru person, invite them to come to church. Uh, anytime I'm at the grocery store and I check out, I always invite the person at the grocery store. I mean, I just use these things. I keep a stack in my truck and I take a few of them and I stick them on my wallet so I have them everywhere I go. And you'd be surprised the number of people that end up coming. For, and here's how you use it. And it, it sounds awkward, but it's really not. So here's how I typically do it. Like, let's just say I'm at a restaurant, I finish my meal, uh, the waiter brings me the, the, the check, and I give it to them, the, you know, then they bring me the final copy. When they come back, I always say something like, hey, you know what, you did a great job serving me today, and uh, so I want to do something for you. I'd like to invite you to come to my church on Sunday. You look like the, a person that would fit in perfectly, and so I want to invite you to come this Sunday, if you can, and I hand them an invite card, and you know what? They always take it, always. Now, they don't always come, but sometimes they do. I've met them here before. Now look, here's the deal. If you do that, please, don't be like a Christian cheapskate and say something like, the best tip I can give you is Jesus. <laughs> no, no, no. You're a loser at that point if you do that. In fact, you're the reason why they don't come, okay? So don't do that, okay? Look, the, the point is, Jesus says, Jesus says so much about sheep and shepherds. He says so much. And what he says changes our understanding of who we are and 
how I should respond to other people. But in order for that to happen, I've got to realign my thinking to what he says. So would you be willing to do that today? And make sure you come back next week because next week, Jesus is going to give us some great insight on why sheep wander off sometimes. It's going to be great. So bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for just the clarity of what you teach us about ourselves. That really you know us better than we know us. And so for those that are listening today that have been wounded or hurt by the enemy in this life, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would begin to minister to that hurt place, that you would begin the healing process for that part of their life, and that you would use them to reach out to other people that may have been wounded the same way, and that they could find hope and life in you. And for all of us, I ask that you would help all of us to be loving toward each other and make church the safest place where people could find unconditional love and forgiveness. We ask you to help us to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.